0: that. By the way, if anyone likes Christmas and has Christmas decorations at home, we invite you to bring them next week so we can decorate and um, create a festive atmosphere. And um, we're either going to be watching, there's an animated Christmas story called The Star, which is from the perspective of the animals. Um, And so there's that option. Um, I'm also from America. And so a classic It's It's a Wonderful Life, um, which is like a classic black and white Christmas movie. Um, so we'll, I'll bring both and we'll see what, what, the, what the consensus is on the day, uh, which one we watch. We might put on one for the kitties and one for the adults. But looking forward to celebrating a bit of, there has to be some benefit to having this really, really ridiculous cold weather, right? And so hopefully we can, we can pretend um, that it's Christmas and have a bit of cheer. Now I don't have the little, clock oh, here it is. So we're finishing our series today, um, our, our four part series on why we read the Bible differently. And so we've gone over, um, the, fir- the first reason in part one was that we have different understanding of how, how the Bible was inspired. In other words, did God um, dictate word for word what to write down? or did he inspire the authors with thoughts, with revelation that they then wrote um, in their language and with their experience um, under the Holy Spirit. So we looked at what the implications of that were. And then in part two, we talked about how our own bias and fear and the lack of communal accountability can also lead to various interpretations of the Bible that aren't always on track. Um, and so we talked about how to how to combat some of that, and we'll be talking um, more about that today in the practical how-to. And then last week, we talked about the importance of looking at the historical and literary context and how there, in history, um, there's so much that has been lost to us because of time and distance. And so the importance of ha- going back and looking at the correct context of the Bible passages. Today, we're going to be tackling the last reason why we read the Bible differently, and that's ignorance. Some, maybe you've nev- never studied the Bible before. Um, perhaps this is your first time exploring, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, or perhaps you just never cared before. Um, perhaps you've tried to read it before and found it really boring or confusing or overwhelming, so you just stopped. And a lot of times, maybe we do care, maybe we do know it's important, but we just haven't prioritized it, right? We get busy, um, and so it's on our list of things to do, and the day goes by and we think, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow, right? And we put it off. And. Let's face it, a lot of times living in a, a place like Melbourne, we take for granted that we have the freedom to read the Bible, and so we don't cherish it the way that in some places, in some countries, there are Christians who are, you know, reading their Bibles under their covers, um, you know, afraid for their lives, literally. I thought we'd do a little trivia today to wake our brains up to see how well do you know what is in the Bible. So the trivia game is Bible or not. Bible or not, all right? Here we go, Bible or not. Um, Question number one. So for God, starting with the easy one, you know, start, warm up. So for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Bible or not? I'm not going to embarrass you by making you raise your hands, but just in your head, Bible or not? And, of course, this one is the Bible It's it's found in John 3.16, probably the most quoted Bible verse of all time. All right, it's going to get a little bit harder. The next one. To answer before listening is folly and shame. Bible or not? Hmm. Bible or not? It is the Bible, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Extra points if you know where it is. Question number three. And though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it still grows perhaps The greater Bible or not? Hmm. The answer is not. Does anyone know where it's from? Fellowship of the ring (laughs) by Tolkien. Next one. We can stand affliction better than we can prosperity for in prosperity we forget God. Bible or not? This one's a little tricky. This is by Reverend Dwight L. Moody, a very famous Christian uh, reverend. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Bible or not? I, guess I see some people whispering the answers. It's found in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, verse 34. Number six, God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. Bible or not? Hmm... Some confusion here. Sounds like a Papa verse, but it is not. It is a hymn, it's lyrics from a hymn. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Bible or not? It's found in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. It is the Bible. This above all, to thine own self be true. Bible or not? Let's see how well you know your literature. <laughs> this is Shakespeare, Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3. Next one, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or maybe the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Bible or not? This is a Bob Dylan song called Gotta Serve Somebody. Number 10, there's two more to go. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Bible or not? Hmm. This is from the Bible, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6. There were some other spicy quotes from Samuel Solomon that I was like, I can't quote these ones. (laughs) We have children in here. (laughs) All right, number 11. God creates out of nothing. Wonderful, you say. Yes, to be sure, but he does what is still more wonderful. He makes saints out of sinners. Bible or not? Joshi says no, and Joshua's correct. Maybe he's read Kierkegaard, um, Danish philosopher, the journals. And the last one, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, Bible or not." Does anyone know where it's from? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it is the Bible. A little trivia, I'm horrible at trivia, except Bible trivia, I could smash that. <laughs> now. What about Bible doctrines? You know, these are Bible verses, but how well do you know what the Bible says about how sin entered the world? How well do you know the Bible passages that explain what happens after you die? Or what it means, what Sabbath means? Why do we say happy Sabbath to each other? What is God's plan for humanity? What do you really have to do to have eternal life? Really? How do you experience peace and purpose here and now? How well do we know these questions for ourselves? How well do we know these questions in order to share it with others? If we need to keep up with important information about interest rates, tax deductions, and professional development for our careers, how much more is it important to keep up with things that have to do with eternal truths? What the Bible shares about who God is and what his plan for us is today. Like I said, the Bible can be confusing. It's not an easy book to read, right? It's complicated sometimes. Some of it you can read at face value, but a lot of it you have to do a bit of digging and so I'm hoping that today we're going to be going over 10 steps on how to study the Bible. And I'm hoping that after today you're going to feel inspired and equipped to, and excited to go and, and really mine the riches of what the Bible has to offer. I'm going to go over the 10 steps. Um, I have the main points uh, listed on our website, which I'll share the link at the end. But I encourage you to take notes because, um, you know, I'm going to be going more in detail during this sermon, or you can always watch it or listen to it again, I suppose. But um, I do have it on our website as well. All right, and by the way, after 10, I'm going to go through the 10 steps, and then during discussion time, um, I've prepared uh, not all 10 steps, but I've prepared four groups to do one step each, and we're going to do some role play and um, I'm excited. I'm such a nerd, and so <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, I've brought uh, commentaries and things, and so I'm really looking forward to discussion time today. All right, so first step is prepare to study. Now, that sounds obvious, but you know that quote, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And like I said, we have all good intentions to reading our Bibles, but if you don't schedule it in, it's not going to happen, because life is busy, right? And there's distractions, and there's interruptions, and so set aside time. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. It can be 15, 20 minutes, but just set it aside as uninterrupted time that you can, you can go into the Word. Gather the right tools. Now, if you are techie, that means you grab your phone, you grab your computer, um, but if, you like, if you're old school, you get your, oh, I left my props in the back. That's all right. I'll show you later. You grab your, your study Bibles um, and you grab notebook, journaling. You know, pencils. You know, you grab all that. And then, most importantly, you prepare your heart. We talked about the importance of uh, or the um, significance of bias and fear and all of that, and how that you know can really color the way we read the Bible. So it's important to pray and ask God to, to really help us to see the text for what it is and not just what we want to see in it. Um, And so that prayer time is really saying to God, God, I surrender my my biases, my presuppositions to you. Help me to see what you want me to see. All right, so you've prepared to study next. What do you do? Well, you pick a passage to study. and, And maybe you don't have to do this every time because you might have decided, I'm going to read through the Bible. So you start in Genesis. If you've never read the Bible before, I recommend that you start with the book of John. Not only because it's my favorite book, but um, it is the book that scholars recommend for those who have never read the Bible before, because it's kind of the most, um, and that's probably why I like the book the best, because I have a literature background, and it's one of the best literary kind of books in the Bible um, that talk about Jesus. Um, So out of the four Gospels, it's the one that's written for people who have not um, met Jesus before. It's it's meant for people who um, had not witnessed firsthand any of Jesus' miracles, and so Book of John is a good place to start. You can also pick by topic or genre, and so if you're interested in kind of the origin stories of, well, you know, how how did humanity come into existence, and why is there sin in the world, and um, how did the Israelites? Um, why did God, you know, work with the Israelites? All of that can be found in Genesis. If you want to learn about the laws and the sanctuary system and the establishment of the nation of Israel, then you read Exodus through Deuteronomy. And if you want to know more about the narrative history of the Israelite nation once they entered, you know, um, that that Middle Eastern area that they are in today, um, then you read Joshua through Esther. If you really like poetry and wisdom literature um, and songs and your, you know, musical, and you like kind of that literary analysis, then you look at Job through Song of Solomons, which has that kind of genre. If you like social justice and prophecy and what God has to say about end time events as well, Isaiah through Malachi has prophecy. And then if you want to learn about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his teachings, then you look at Matthew to John. For the history of the early church, Book of Acts, that is the the one book that has the history of the early church. And then you want to know, well, what did the early Christians, um, what were they going through and what was, you know, what were the doctrines, the Christian doctrines that were starting to form and the instructions given to these early churches? Well, that's Romans through Jude, all those letters written by Christian leaders to the churches and to the early Christians. And then you want to know, well, what's going to happen at the end times? What's going to happen when Jesus comes again? And, you know, you want to learn about the beasts and and, and the pestilence and dragons. And Revelation is your book, right? You go to Revelation and you read about um, and you study how, how God um, is going to make all things new. For each of these genres, you have to read them differently. Um, in 2017, I did a whole series on how to read each genre of the Bible, so you can go on our YouTube channel and look that up. You can also go through uh, and follow a Bible character that you identify with. You know, maybe you want to follow Joseph. Joseph was a guy who, you know, grew up kind of spoiled, but then gets sold as a slave by his own brothers, betrayed by them. Then he's a slave. Then he makes it, but then he gets betrayed by someone else, and so you can follow his life and study his life. Or maybe you're a foreigner, and you're new to Melbourne, and you're unhappy with the weather, <laughs> and you can you can follow the story of Ruth and Esther and, and how they, they lived in, uh, away from their countries. The point is, you pick a passage that hopefully you're excited to learn something about, and yeah, you can read a lot, but really I encourage you when it comes to Bible study, because there's different ways of reading the Bible. There's, there's kind of um, reading for the sake of information, for the sake of knowing what the big overall story is, in which case, yeah, you might want to read a lot. And then there's the kind of reading that's a devotional reading, which is you are reading because you want comfort. You know, you just need something to kind of strengthen your day. And that kind of reading, you might just read a chapter and kind of reflect on it. But what, but what I'm talking about today is Bible study. It's when you want to go deep, when you want to understand a passage. In that case, I recommend that you just pick a little bit. Now, I'm going to completely go contrary to this, because in discussion time, we're looking at a whole chapter. But (laughs) typically, you only look at just one passage um, and just take your time with it. All right, let's move on. Um, So this is all happening kind of before you read, which is step three, get a broad overview of the book. Now... I'm sure you've all seen the Bible Project videos that we showed before service starts. Now, Bible study um, was started in 2014 by two um, people, Tam Mackey, Tim Mackey and John Collins. And what they started doing in 2014 is they started producing free animated videos introducing each book of the Bible. And um, I cannot tell you how excited I was in 2014 when I, when I saw the first few, because before this time... you. There was no fun, easy way to get an overview of the book of the Bible. You had to go bring out the commentaries, bring oh. out the study Bibles. But they created this really easy to follow, very thoughtful, very well researched. Um, there are five to ten minutes um, introductions to the books of the Bible. So I highly recommend that you check out um, Bible Project. Uh, these are, this is the, you can go to the website, bibleproject.org, or you can just go to YouTube and look up the Bible Project channel. But if you would rather read, then you can always go to um, blueletterbible.org, and they have all the introductions on the website. Um, Or if you have a really good study Bible, and I did bring my favorite one today, I'll show you during discussion time, but it's the Andrews Study Bible, which Roy got me when we got engaged, and um, it's nice and thick, and you know, the Study Bibles, you keep at home, you don't usually carry it around, it's not really portable, because it's got notes, it's got cross-references, it has introductions, and maps, and charts, and it's great, Um, but it's, (laughs) like I said, I'm a nerd, Um, but you know, those, those Study Bibles have introductions in the beginning of each book. So you just have your study Bible and you've got all that information in there. All right. And so you do this before you read. Now obviously you don't have to do this every time you read because if you're reading through the book of John, you do this once and then you don't have to do it every single day, right? Because you've hopefully now remembered it. So this is, the 10 steps might sound overwhelming, but keep in mind you don't have to do all 10 steps every time. This is kind of um, over time you want to do these things. All right, number four. So now you're reading. So as you're reading, now what are you going to do? Remember I talked about the different Bible translations and who made them and why and when. And so hopefully by now you're on board with me that it's important to read different translations so that you can get a broad perspective of the possible ways that the word can be translated. Um, We talked about the nuances between word for word versus thought for thought translations. Remember? Remember? Um, like it's raining cats and dogs do we translate that literally and will people 200 years from now know what that means right or do we say it's raining a lot and I'm so glad you made it to church anyway <laughs> right um, so I've only selected some this is not old English Bibles but these are some popular English Bibles and you can see the gradient of the word for word so literal but like I said literal is not always best because um, Syntax and, and diction and all that change over time. You've got on the other side paraphrase, which are great for kind of helping you understand. But keep in mind that paraphrase also means that um, it's not the most accurate either, right? Because you're summarizing, so you're not you. You might be leaving out some details. So generally, I recommend you you stay in the middle when it comes to kind of reliable. Go to. Um, translations. And so, for example, the NIV, there's a reason why most pastors will use the NIV on the screen, because it's 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 a good, right in the middle, um, gives, you, gives you the translation, and it's modern English. The Common English Bible is also really great, because it uses more modern English, and the New English translation um, is also a really good one. So you want to start in the middle, but then you want to read something from the left and something from the right. And so what I usually do is I'll read the NIV, and then I'll read um, the NASB, which is the word for word. And then I'll read the message, which is the paraphrase. Right? And then I usually also will read a couple more, just three to five um, of the passage. Now, if you know a different language, it's also really good to read it in different languages. Because as I said last time, there are some words just that cannot be translated, but the language you know might be closer to the Greek or Hebrew and might have a better way of to, to translating that, that will relate to you. All right, so as you're reading, the step five is to annotate. Now, if anyone is wondering, what is that? Um, this is my, more of my nerdiness comes out. <laughs> so annotating is basically looking at the passage and marking it up. Now, some of you are horrified by the idea of marking up your Bibles. Um, and if that's you, that's okay, you can Just uh, print out, you know, you can go online and print out, um, where's, like, oh, I had a copy. Uh, Print out a passage so that you can mark it on the paper. You can take a picture of your Bible on your phone and mark it up on your phone um, so you don't have to mark up your actual Bible. Also, nowadays, they sell really beautiful journaling, annotating Bibles where, um, and it's not too expensive. You know, you can get for 20 bucks the book of John just the book of John, and it has them um, beautifully, just paper-thin, uh, paperback, so it's nice and thin, and each page has really big wide margins and a blank side, so you can annotate and take notes. So, what does it mean to annotate? This is an example of my annotation of John, the first bit of John chapter nine, and so it means circling key words. On phrases that you want to explore, highlighting and underlining main ideas, question marks, you know, where you're like, what does this mean? Exclamation points when, you know, something surprises you, asterisks and stars for when you want to remember something, Um, arrows, right? Little comments, diagrams, you can draw something. And so um, we're going to be, one group will be doing this later on, and you'll get to kind of practice annotating. And the first time you do it, you know, you might just circle a few things, but the more you do it, the more you'll get used to doing, you know, this kind of analysis, which is a lot of fun. And you actually learn a lot um, about this, and I'll share more during our discussion time. All right, step six. And this is, I think, the step that we get the most out of is to ask a lot of questions. So many times we read a Bible story, and we think, oh, we know this story. Peter walks on water, he falls, Jesus saves him. We're like, yep, next. (laughs) But just pretend you've never read this story before. Approach the story like a completely either a, um, you know, not necessarily like a critic, but somebody who has never read this before and who has never heard this before. And so you should be asking a thousand questions, like, why does Peter want to walk on water? And what does it even mean to walk on water? And when, when Jesus says, come, why is Peter the only one? Why doesn't anyone else want to do it? And as he's walking, why does he actually then stumble and fall? And, you know, once he cries out, Jesus, help me. Why does Jesus help him? <laughs> why doesn't Jesus kind of let him experience what if, you know, I don't know. You ask a thousand questions. You ask, how big was the boat? You know, how big was the storm? Where is the Sea of Galilee? So you just ask as many questions as possible. And you consider things like, what, how does God interact with each character? Is there anything in the passage that is unusual or interesting? Why does Jesus do this? And why doesn't someone do that? Okay, So you kind of approach the text from different angles and you write down all your questions. And then once, as you're writing questions, Another thing you do is you do textual analysis. So this is kind of like annotation, but um, you do a little deeper. So you, you notice, for example, shifts to direct dialogue. Usually the heart of the story is things in direct quotation. So as you're reading, all of a sudden there's a dialogue and direct quotations, usually that's the main idea. You pay attention to the literary context. What was happening before this story? And what's happening after this story? Is there a reason why, you know, for example, um, the story of, of, uh, of John chapter 9, which we're going to be looking at in a moment, um, happens right after Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles and right before he talks about Jesus being a good shepherd. You know, where does this story sit within that timeline? And textual analysis is also when you do your word studies. Now, what's a word study? A word study is when you look at how a particular word in the Bible is used throughout the Bible and you look at what the original Greek and Hebrew um, is. Now, you don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to do word studies because of wonderful resources that are available to you for free online. So blueletterbible.org is a, is my favorite app for, for using this, and it's a, a app as well as a website. Now... This is how you use it. So for example, you look up a a verse and notice how, can I get, can I get um, James? Can I get screen, uh, can I get the spotlight on screen? If not, that's okay. No? Okay, that's all right. Um, So notice how it says tools. Let me just, so where it says tools, you click on that little button I've got this. Oh, it's all right. That's okay. Oh, is that the laser? I didn't know we had a laser. Where did this come from? You've been holding out on, on me this whole time. I didn't know we had a laser. All right. So where is Hold on. Where is it? It's not working. That's all right. That's okay. I will. I will just use this. Okay. So you click on tools, and what it does is it then opens up all these tabs. Now, interlinear is the tab that shows every single Greek or Hebrew word that is used in that verse. And so then when you click on another laser... Okay, yay! Okay, here we go. And so notice how, for example, this is beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. So for every single word that is translated in the English there, you see here the Greek. And if you click on one of these links, let me go to the next slide, one of those links, and then it takes you to uh, that Greek word. So like I said, you don't have to know the Greek word, just you have to click on it. And then it shows you all the way that it's used in the Bible. And it shows you um, all the Bible verses that uses that Greek word or Hebrew word if it's in the Old Testament. So that's super useful, because then that's how you do a word study. And so you want to know, well, what, what is faith? The Bible keeps saying faith, and the Greek word is pistis. Well, what does it mean? So then you look up that word, and you're going to have a lot of Bible verses that talk about faith. And you, you can look at some of them to look at, well, oh, okay, this is what it means to have faith. This is how it's used. And it's especially useful for words that are used rarely in the Bible. So there are some Bible words, and we talked about this when I preached about gender equality. Um, and it said that, um, you know, in the, in the Hebrew, when Eve is the counterpart of Adam, he says, you know, um, she's now, and it's translated in the King James, she's the helpmeet. But the original Hebrew word, that's, it's a very unique word. And it actually means counterpart, face to face. Okay, it's, it's, it's an equal partner. Um, and so it's very important in those kind of situations to look at the word. What does this really mean, right? It's translated, you know, in a certain way in English, but what does that mean? And so going back and looking at, um, looking at that is how you can use Blue Letter Bible. So really great resource to use. All right, moving on. Step eight is to investigate the answers to the questions. Now, this is the part that... Um, It requires a little bit of uh, either time or resources or both. (laughs) So what I mean by that is, again, if you go back to Blue Letter Bible and you click on, let me go back to my laser. So we did interlinear and you go to commentaries. There's dictionaries, there's some miscellaneous. There's actually free commentaries online that you can use. And so then you can click on um, a commentary and um, basically you can look up a Bible verse and then it'll show the commentary for that Bible verse. Dictionaries are useful because there might be words that are only um, used in the Bible that you don't understand or a a place or a city or a name and that tells you what they are. Also maps. So all of that is free online. Um, Another really great free resource is the official Sabbath School app. Now, the Sabbath School app, or website, um, either one, is free, and it has Bible study guides in 76 languages. 76 languages. And so what's great about these Bible study guides is that they used to be called Sabbath School um, books, but now they're called Bible study guides. And these have topics that, you know, Seventh day Adventist Church has had Sabbath school for over hundred years. And so you've got every quarter a new topic. Sometimes they recycle topics. So any pretty much any topic or book of the Bible you want to study, they have it in the archives. And so you can scroll through the website or the app and find, for example, you know, the you want to learn about 1st um, and 2nd Peter and the character of Peter, you read that. Or Galatians. Or here you go, End Time, uh, Book of Acts, you want to learn about stewardship. So pretty much almost every topic you can think of, they have it. And each of those Bible study guides have 13 weeks of Bible studies. So it goes pretty in-depth, so it's a great resource to to utilize. Also, you can use your study Bibles. Study Bibles will have notes and commentaries in there. Um, I brought along with me four different kinds of commentaries. Um, So, Roy and my favorite ones, and this is what I mean by resources. It's the ones that are free online are free online, but there are some that you do have to purchase, um, but that, you know, we really like. And obviously, this is what we do for a living, so we've invested in um, commentary sets. And so if you come to our house and you go upstairs, we have, like, two bookcases full of commentary sets. But not all of them are super expensive. Some of them are quite affordable, um, and... The ones, our favorite ones, are the NIV application commentary set, um, which has one for every book of the Bible, and so it's quite big. You might want to start with just one, you know. One is like 30 bucks, maybe 35 bucks, and then you can kind of start with that one, study through it, and then in time you get another one. Um, but there's also cheaper ones. The, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has just published the new um, updated SDA commentary set, and it's just two volumes, Old Testament, New Testament. So that's quite affordable, Um, obviously not as detailed. Um, So yeah, these are some resources that you can utilize or you can just use the free ones online. All right, let's move on. Step number nine. After you've done the study, after you've done the annotations and the analysis, This is when you step back, right? You've kind of, you started out big picture, you dove really in with the magnifying glass, and now you step back out and you look at, okay, what is the main idea? What is, in your own words, the summary of this passage? right? So you're really bringing it home to the universal truth now because you've looked at the historical context, context, you've looked at the literary context, so now you know what the universal truth for all time and all places is. And so that's what you summarize. And that's an important step that I think a lot of times we skip. Then, and only then, you do the personal application. That's when you, you pray and ask God to, to reveal to you, okay, I, I understand what the timeless truth is, but how does it apply to my life today? God, what is the message and the takeaway that you want me to be convicted of in this moment? Um, and then reflect on it, right? Journal about it. Um, pray about it. Ask God to help you live out what he has revealed, and then you share it with others. So these 10 steps are on our church website. So if you scan that QR code, um, it is uploaded on our church website for you. Now, as I've said before, you don't have to do all 10 steps in one go. I mean, you can if you want to, but that's, uh, we don't do all 10 steps in one go because it takes a lot of time. So you kind of do it in pieces. So for example, on the first day, you might just take 10 minutes to pick the passage and to watch the um, Bible Project video about that passage. 10 minutes. And just write down some notes. Then the next day, you might take 15 minutes to read that passage in three different translations. And then just notice the differences and notice the common things and, you know, just read through that. On the third day, you might reread it in your favorite translation and you annotate, right? You annotate, you write down, um, you circle, you highlight, right? The next day, you might start asking questions. Just jot down all your questions. And then over the next weeks, you might just tackle a few questions at a time and investigate using the resources that I shared today. And then finally, you, you, you gather the main ideas, you pray through what does this mean. And that doesn't mean that you don't have things you realize along the way, but my point is you don't have to do all 10 steps in one go. You're, you're going to get faster at doing this as well, right? Because once you start doing textual analysis, um, it comes faster. Like I said, once you know and understand the historical context of the Roman century and first you know, century Rome, you don't have to rewatch that video over and over again. You, know, you don't have to keep reading um, the commentaries. And so after a while, right, um, it takes less time to do those things so that you can spend more time in prayer, more time engaging with the passage, more time listening to what God has to say. Paul was a first-century convert to Christianity and who became one of its key leaders, was nearing the end of his life, and he left this message to his young prote- protege, Timothy. He foresaw that there would be increasing deception about the truth and that there would be increasing ignorance about what uh, Jesus had shared and what God wants us to know. And so Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, he said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, he says, all scripture has so much to offer us, right? It it has so much that we can learn about, that we can be convicted of, things about salvation and action, about doing good works. But most importantly, right, Bible study for all those things are great, but we have to read knowing that we're trying to meet God himself. Jesus said to those who spent a lot of time studying the scriptures but didn't actually see God right in front of them, he said in John chapter 5, Verses 38 to 40, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Don't get bogged down in the Bible study that you miss the one that it's all about. That time in study is a time when you are able to open your mind and your heart to the miracle of God's presence, to him who speaking to you his power working in us and through us it's it's every time you open the bible it's not just information it's actually it's like chronicles of narnia if you've ever read that series right you go through the closet you're entering an amazing world where you might meet aslan the lion right it's 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 an adventure it's a journey and so every time you open the bible um Don't do it because you feel obligated. Don't feel like you have to do it to get saved. Do it because that's where you might meet Jesus, where he's going to be speaking to you and transforming your life. Like I said in the beginning, the reasons why we miss out on the richness of Scripture is because we just don't make time. One of my favorite quotes says, an intensity such as never before was seen in taking possession of the world. In amusement, in money-making, in the contest for power, in the very struggle for existence, there is a terrible force that engrosses body and mind and soul. In the midst of this maddening rush, God is speaking. He bids us come apart and commune with him. Be still and know that I am God. Right? We know what this feels like. The days fly by, right? There's never enough time. I can't believe it's July next week, right? This year is half over. We face pressures from different sides. But we need God. We need that presence um, to to really uh, come and give us that energy that we need. She goes on to say, Many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. These workers can never attain the highest success until they learn the secret of strength. They must give themselves time to think, to pray, to wait upon God for a renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. They need the uplifting influence of his spirit. Did you catch that? The secret, right? The secret to having that renewal is to think, Go through the 10 steps to think, to engage our minds, to to, to, um, wrestle with the text, to pray, to pause, to listen. She says, receiving this, they will be quickened by fresh life. The wearied frame and tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not a pause for a moment in his presence, but personal contact with Christ. To sit down in companionship with him, this is our need. Happy will it be for the children of our homes and the students of our schools when parents and teachers shall learn in their own lives the precious experience pictured in these words from the song of songs. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons." I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. You don't go to a banquet when you're in a rush, right? We're not doing a fast food drive-by. When we approach the word of God, we approach it like it's a banquet, like God has set the table, right? A ten-course meal before us. You go ready to eat. You go ready to enjoy, to sit down. And God is inviting us, every time we open the Word, he's inviting us to taste and see that he is good, that he loves us, that he has a purpose for our lives, for humanity, and that he wants to be with us, reunited with us so that we can get rid of the sin and suffering, the injustice and the tragedies in this world. That we can have healing and wholeness. And God offers that all to us if we would only accept that call to spend time with Him. It's my prayer today that as we make time and space this week to enjoy the feast, that we will experience God's agape love for us. And I invite Roy and Emran to come back and I think we're singing give me the bible uh, again and then we'll close the part please join me in prayer
1: heavenly father we're so
0: grateful that you have given us the bible how precious it is to have these ancient words that are living today for us so that when we open them we get to experience um, an opportunity to encounter you to connect with you to hear from you Father God, I confess that too many times we, we rush through that time, help us to learn, to pause, to linger, to delight, to enjoy that presence with you. As we go into discussion time and as you put these into practice, Father God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us. And for those of you for those who are sick, traveling, uh, unable to come in person and watching online, I pray that you be with them, uh, give them a speedy recovery, And uh, help them to know that that we miss them, that they're loved, um, and we can't wait to see them soon. We pray in your son's name. Amen.